Caught in the act, Surrey business owners say that they can't take any more of the crime and mischief in their neighborhood that's linked to a nearby tent city. A lot of it's captured on security cameras, even as RCMP crews the area at night. Ramina Dea has more on the shocking lack of security. Pay close attention to the three people walking up the street from the homeless camp. Minutes later, they break open the lockbox, take the keys inside and drive away in a U-Haul truck. Then off they go. It's the second vehicle robbery in two months for Surrey business owner Paul Chen. Since last year, last summer, it could just get worse. And right now, you see the video tell the story. I'm done talking. They just let the video show you guys what's going on here. Chen, one of several business owners fed up with the tent city that's been expanding along 135A Street in the Wally area. They claim theft and vandalism has exploded since June of last year. The problem's getting worse and more violent. Chen says he made a citizen's arrest four months ago after a colleague's car was damaged. But sometimes, as a human being, I got frustrated. This is police files from this year. At the motorcycle shop on the corner, $35,000 in vandalism, stolen property and lost profits in 11 months. After almost 20 years in business, Eddie McNaughton says he's moving. The RCMP are doing what they can do. The bylaws are doing what they can do. But the city has allowed these people to tent on public property, on city property. It's the city's responsibility. The numbers fluctuate, but there are approximately 150 people living in this tent city, which spans about two city blocks. The city of Surrey says shelters are full and it's working with the province to speed up modular housing. There's impediments to legally removing them because in order for those to be removed legally, the housing resources and the support resources that individuals need have to be in place. But what about the businesses, says Chen? He's stuck with a $30,000 bill for damages and lost profits as a result of the robberies. Just cities should step up. Come to us and consult with us. We pay all this amount to city, but we don't get answers. Bottom line, in the end, is like, that's how it is. And we have to accept that. Ramina Dea, Global News. Now, public warning after a scary discovery in a Victoria-area parking lot. A needle was found where you would normally collect your pay parking ticket. And police say it was deliberately placed to cause injury. Vic PD now investigating and advising the public to look before you grab your ticket. Kelly Ellard has been granted conditional day parole. Ellard is serving a life sentence for the second-degree murder of Rena Verk. Ellard was 15 when she beat and drowned Verk just outside of Victoria two decades ago. She's been granted day parole for six months, but she must first complete a residential treatment program for substance abuse before being sent to a halfway house. If you are a bad driver in this province, expect to lose your license for much longer the next time you're busted. Starting tomorrow, new rules kick in for excessive speeding, driving without due care, and other high-risk behaviors. Jill Bennett joins us now with the details on this. Jill, we're talking months, in some cases even years now, instead of just days. 
We are, Chris. Under the current rules, any of those offenses you just mentioned, or stunt driving, which involves going too fast, tailgating, or lifting a tire off the pavement, gets you a 15-day license suspension. At least they can. But starting tomorrow, that penalty could range from three months to three years. It's behavior like this the province wants to curb. So an individual, for example, who uh, likes to speed across the, uh, the Lionsgate Bridge at 180 kilometers an hour and is a repeat offender, they're going to get nailed really hard. Last summer, this Ferrari was impounded for 60 days and the driver had his license pulled for 16 months after police say the car was going 210 kilometers per hour over the Lionsgate Bridge. Under the new rules in place as of December 1st, those penalties would likely be harsher. The changes that we have put in place uh, will allow the superintendent of motor vehicles to, will allow them to put in place up to a three-year suspension. People caught street racing, stunt driving, or driving with undue care and attention could all face the tougher penalties. And while there is agreement dangerous driving is wrong, there's also some question about how extreme the new laws are. For an assumption to take that away, it's really like, it's sort of like abuse of power. It's too harsh. Taking away your license for three years, I think that's limiting and taking away too much from someone, definitely. There are also questions about the process. A police officer calls Road Safety BC to report dangerous driving, and the prohibition length, now up to three years, is then set based only on the officer's information. That according to this criminal lawyer, who calls it a system rife for abuse. What they're doing is, without a hearing, on the basis of an offence that has not been proven and not been disputed in court, determining a punishment for somebody for having committed that offence. I've challenged them in BC Supreme Court, and every single time I've challenged them, the superintendent has cancelled the prohibition. And Kyla Lee says every time she has challenged the 15-day suspension, the court has ruled the system doesn't work. She's going to continue challenging that. She says she gets contacted about twice a week by drivers who feel they've been penalized and shouldn't have been. And part of her problem with the new regulations and why she will be challenging those as well, she says that they violate everyone's charter right to be presumed innocent. Chris? All right, Jill, thanks very much for that. And also announced today... At-risk seniors and other people with health problems will have a new system to determine if they are still capable of driving. The new system to be in place next spring will be an extended road test using the driver's own vehicle with an ICBC examiner directing a series of driving tasks with increasing complexity. The new system replaces the touchscreen computer test called DriveAble that many seniors found complicated and stressful. Stakeholders at an energy forum in Vancouver today urging the end of debate and the start of construction on the Trans Mountain Pipeline project. But protesters aren't going away quietly, making noise both inside and outside the gathering, digging in for the long haul. Ted Chernecki reports. Security was predictably tight as three key players in the Trans-Canada Pipeline expansion plan met under one roof as protesters gathered outside. But a few found a way in, including an environmentalist. Resource shortages and the wars that go with them. How dare you do this? Alberta came here with a clear message. British Columbians have to start seeing the big picture. This pipeline twinning is of a national interest that will benefit all Canadians. We just can't 
spend the next 10 years bickering over over this. Uh, it will hurt the uh, integrity of our overall uh, economic uh, success. BC is accusing Ottawa of interfering with an independent review by filing a letter with the National Energy Board supporting a process to quickly resolve conflicts with local and provincial governments. We just think that the signal we want to send to Canadians is that the project will be reviewed in a way that uh, doesn't show any unnecessary delays. It's, that's all it is. Opponents of the planned twinning of the existing pipeline don't want a threefold increase in oil tanker traffic plying Vancouver's inner harbour and the province's pristine coastline. In short, BC has by far the most to lose. We support a rigorous environmental oversight that simply doesn't exist at this point in time. Natives, local governments and environmental groups vowed to ramp up the protests using every conceivable tactic to stop the expansion, including civil disobedience. We've so far committed in excess of $800 million and we haven't started construction. It's not just the investment community that's watching, the world is watching. And so are the protesters. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Highway maintenance crews are gearing up for another busy winter season. Main Road Contracting, the company that maintains the Lower Mainland's provincial highways, is warning drivers to be prepared for another snowy winter. The company, learning from last year, says it's beefing up resources just ahead of this winter. This year we're adding more trucks. Uh, we've added three more plow trucks with wings and a bigger brine truck. So again, big improvements over last year um, and should help us open the process. Last year, Main Road Group used more than 6,500 tons of salt on provincial highways. That's more than twice the average for a season. Police, uh, police participating in next year's Pride Parade will not be wearing uniforms. Organizers made the decision after consulting with members of the LGBTQ community. Nadia Stewart explains why they felt this was the best approach and how concerns about policing costs for the event could make it smaller next year. It has been the subject of much debate for more than a year now. Police at the Pride Parade. Organizers announcing Thursday they've made a decision. We are asking police to participate in the parade, just not in uniform with no marked vehicles and no weapons. Arnott says their decision goes beyond concerns raised by Black Lives Matter activists. She says many others have come forward, highlighting negative encounters with police in the past. There are groups of people within under that queer umbrella who really feel triggered or traumatized by the uniform and the symbol of oppression that they faced in the, perhaps in the past or even in the present. Still, reaction has been swift. The police union among those opposed. But the Vancouver Pride Society could be facing even greater challenges. Arnott telling Global News they're running a deficit, the result of big bills from the city of Vancouver. What's the chunk of that city bill? Uh, policing is a huge cost. Um, it's also things like um, rerouting buses with pole pullers and sanitation. Take the last two years, for example. The Vancouver Pride Society says their 2016 bill was originally $125,000. That's four times what they'd been quoted. That bill has since been cut down to $50,000, but the bill for this year remains unpaid at $68,000.
Arnott says pride parades elsewhere in Canada don't face the same hefty city and policing bills. She says they're trying to find ways to save money, but the deficit could mean significantly scaled down pride festivities in 2018. Nadia Stork, Global News. A Huggies diaper box left outside a mall in Nanaimo wasn't full of diapers. This little guy was inside. Hugo, a pit bull cross puppy, found covered in urine and suffering from hypothermia. He was taken to the Island Veterinary Hospital for better care. If you find you aren't able to care for your pet, um, the responsible thing is to do uh, to do is to bring it into a, an organization like ours. Um, there's not going to be any judgment. We're going to um, be able to ask you a bunch of questions about your pet's you know likes and dislikes and behavior, and it will actually help us um, match it with a better home. Hugo was likely left outside for less than 24 hours, but given his age and size, it could have been fatal. The SPCA is now trying to determine who it was that abandoned the puppy. Island Health sounding the alarm about a scary new trend. In the last few weeks, they've seen a spike in overdose cases involving youth and the common prescription drug Xanax. Nitu Garcha has more on why experts believe it's happening and where they think the kids are getting the drugs. Xanax is a commonly prescribed anti-anxiety drug, but when used improperly can cause long-term brain damage or it could kill you. That's why health officials are warning about a recent string of suspected overdoses in Victoria. In the last few weeks, there's been a spike in the number of teens showing up to the ER after taking Xanax. If kids or adults combine it with other drugs or alcohol, then you have a big problem with respiratory depression, and if you don't breathe, you won't survive. Victoria Police say it gets worse. Many cases involve a counterfeit version of the addictive drug, which could be tainted with anything, including fentanyl. Thus far, Health Canada has indicated that that there are no um, pills they've examined that are Xanax pills that contain fentanyl, but we have recently seized um, additional pills and we're waiting for test results on those. Staff Sergeant Connor King says there are a number of local dealers who are selling to students. We are concerned about it. We have seen an increase in the availability of Xanax in the schools. Um, We are actively investigating uh, the presence of Xanax in the schools. We see people from the ages of 12 to 25 who are using it. Lorna Mace works at a youth addictions clinic in Victoria. We're seeing a lot of youth coming in who are saying that that's their primary drug right now. It's cheap, it's easily accessible, it's easier to access than alcohol or cigarettes. It's just the available drug right now. In the Lower Mainland, both Fraser Health and Vancouver Coastal Health confirm youth Xanax use hasn't been a problem in its hospitals. But officials say the spike in Victoria is part of a growing trend in West Coast North America. And the bottom line is, if you're not meant to be on Xanax, you shouldn't be taking Xanax. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Victoria. Well, right now, when staff at Hunter's Garden Centre in Surrey showed up for work, they could hardly believe their eyes. Fifty Christmas trees were gone, stolen by some real-life Grinches in an obviously coordinated operation. As John Wall reports, they're now trying to figure out where the trees might have ended up. It's the kind of heist that puts a damper on the holiday season. It's horrible to hear stuff like that happening, especially at this time of the year. The kind of crime that's supposed to teach us about the true spirit of Christmas. Now, Grin the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. But we're not talking about Dr. Seuss's Whoville, instead Hunter's Garden Centre in Surrey, where a group of real-life Grinches made away with dozens of trees. There's just a bare patch, an outline of some leaves on the ground where the trees were, and 50 trees missing. 
The theft occurring early Wednesday morning. It's believed the culprits pulled up their truck on a neighboring property where they dragged the trees one by one. They would have had to plan. You need a pretty big truck, so they would have had to get a crew together. A good chance these Grinches knew what they were looking for, targeting only the Noble Fur Hunter Garden Center's top seller, with a total loss at about $5,000. We won't be able to just go order up 50 more trees. Um, there'll be a shortage in the Noble Furs this year. For customers of this third-generation family business, news of the theft turning festive moods into frustration. I feel sorry for them. Yeah, it's not a nice thing to do. It makes you wonder why, what somebody would do with 50 Christmas trees. It's too bad for them. I hope they have a way to make up for that loss. Surrey RCMP have been made aware of the incident. Staff at Hunters asking people to be on the lookout for suspicious tree sales by the roadside or listings on online resale sites. Or just look for tree sellers that have hearts two sizes too small. John Hua, Global News. Well, thankfully, we also see a lot of good during the holidays. And meteorologist Christy Gordon is down mm -hmm. at the kickoff to Bright Nights in Stanley Park. Christy looking uh, warm, to say the least. Hi. <laughs> I am warm. And actually, a lot of people that have come down here are as well. They looked outside and realized it is a little wet, but it's been a great opening night for the Bright Nights at Stanley Park. Runs right through until January 6th. Over 3 million lights on display. And you can imagine how much time it took uh, the volunteers to put it together. Now, the money raised here goes to the BC Professional Firefighters Burn Fund. It's just a donation at the door. Parking is free. And Santa's here, Chris. So it's well worth coming down. Nice. Charitable giving, charitable giving always spikes during the holiday season, but lately overall donations are down. And tonight that funding shortfall has forced Easter Seals to shut down two of its three camps. As Aaron MacArthur reports, many parents of special needs children say the news is devastating. For Nathan Shipley and Brendan Parker, Camp Squamish was and still is a big part of their lives. Easter seals through the camps, offering kids with disabilities something they couldn't find anywhere else, confidence and independence. For some kids, they've never been in a pool before. So they go to camp and they go in the pool and then they realize they can do it. So then um, they go home and they're like, I want to go to the pool. And they, they're actually confident. Easter seals has made the decision to close Camp Squamish and to camp on the island for next year keeping just the camp in the Okanagan open. It's a decision based solely on financials. Each camp costs about $800,000 a year to run, and donations to the organization are down. Nobody wants to see this happen, and you know, kids look forward to the camp program. Families rely on the camp program uh, as an opportunity for them, their child to have uh, a different kind of an experience. Um, and you know, we're disappointed, just like they are. For graduates of the camp, this is devastating news. Brendan Parker has supported Easter Seals through an annual motorbike ride. Tens of thousands of dollars have been raised in his name. And he wants to know what's going to happen for families who can't make the trip to the Okanagan. For some of the parents, this is their only form of, of respite that they can get as, as uh, children or teenagers. Easter Seals is looking for partners to spread the costs around and looking for donors who might want to step forward to fund the facilities further. 
hoping this closure is just a one-year pause on programming. We are a charity. We can only deliver a program with the funds that come in. So we raise money and we spend the money on the program. And when the funds aren't there, we can't spend the money. For 50 years, Easter Seals has been providing camp for kids. Everyone wants to see that continue. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Keeping kids and adults moving is what participation is all about. It's been urging Canadians to celebrate our country's 150th birthday by getting some exercise. Actually, lots of it. The participation 150 campaign is now coming to an end. And our Jennifer Palma is live at the wrap-up event in Coquitlam. Jen. Absolutely. It's a beautiful night for it. A little bit chilly, but I have to tell you, these people are troopers. They are out here doing sack races, Zumba, yoga. And to tell us a little bit more about how successful this campaign has been is the president and CEO of Participation, Elio Antunes. Hello. So why did you guys want to do this this year? Well, this is Canada's 150th uh, birthday, mm-hmm. and so we thought, what better way to celebrate Canada but to get Canadians more physically active? And so we had the longest, most active birthday party all year, <laughs> and we're ending it today uh, after uh, 90. This is our 100th event throughout the entire year. Fantastic. It has been a success? Uh, amazing success. So we asked Canadians to help us create the 150 playlist of activities that are that define us as Canadian, and they, we challenged them to continue to check them off all year, and uh, they've, they've done that. Okay, thank you so much, Elio Antunes, with participation. So, yeah, it wraps up Saturday, actually, but you can still go online and sign up. Maybe you can win a prize and see if you've done any of those uh, participation actions. Back to you. Lots of options for sure. All right, thanks very much, Jennifer. What a wrap-up tonight. Well, here's something you might want to bring up when your kids hand you their Christmas wish lists as long as they're armed. The surprising note to Santa from a child you think could have just about anything they wish for. During a royal visit to Finland this morning, Prince William comes upon Santa Claus saying, I've seen you and I had to give you this letter. He pulls out his son Prince George's wish list. He hasn't written down many requests, so I think one request is probably okay. (laughs) But he's been a nice boy. That's right, there are five lines on the list, but Prince George wants just one thing, a police car. Assuming that's a toy police car, of course. And as his father pointed out, up at the top, he specified that he has, in fact, been nice. Newly released surveillance video shows a worker at a New York cosmetics plant cleaning a large tank when there is a sudden white flash and fire. The worker scrambles away, his clothing on fire. He suffered minor injuries, but one other worker was killed and more than 100 more people were injured. The cause of the explosion? Static electricity caused by wiping the cloth on the tank. Former Today Show host Matt Lauer issued an apology and a partial denial today, one day after being fired for inappropriate sexual behavior. And as accusations against him grow, there are more questions about whether NBC executives knew about the problems. Early this morning, the former star anchor released a statement saying in part, To the people I have hurt, I am truly sorry. Some of what is being said about me is untrue or mischaracterized, but there is enough truth in these stories to make me feel embarrassed and ashamed. Flowers' first public comments come on the heels of new accusations. At least three women have come forward to NBC. Among them, one accuser who alleges she was sexually assaulted in Lauer's office in 2001, according to a report in the New York Times. She told the paper she passed out during the incident, and woke up on the floor of his office. She says Lauer had his assistant take her to a nurse. 
An NBC spokesperson would not comment on the details, citing privacy issues. Altogether, there may be as many as six accusers. Questions have been raised about whether NBC News executives knew of the complaints prior to Monday. Several former NBC News executives we spoke with today told us they didn't know of any complaints. And the network responded saying unequivocally no current management knew about any accusations. The string of allegations together with how swiftly Matt Lauer lost his anchor chair have many wondering if this will change TV newsroom culture, especially after high-profile anchors at CBS News and Fox News have also been fired. The curtain's being pulled back. The curtain is being pulled back, and the question is whether the figures who have been toppled are some of the biggest names in television, whether they turn out to be sacrificial figures or transformative ones. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York. The actor best known for playing a bumbling Marine on television has passed away. Well, the worst thing about it is I had to give up my room in the back of the station. That goofy-sounding southern drawl and operatic singing, the two voices of Jim Neighbors, who died at the age of 87. Neighbors took what was supposed to be a one-episode appearance as Gomer Pyle on The Andy Griffith Show into his own spin-off show that enjoyed years of success. Two experimental drugs appear to help reduce headaches for people who suffer from chronic migraines. Both drugs stop migraines before they start by blocking an inflammatory molecule that's known to spike during migraine attacks. In two separate studies, about 40% of patients were able to cut their number of migraines in half. Regulatory approval is still needed, and if that happens, the drugs would be available at a cost of about $10,000 a year. The unusual discovery by a lobster fisher raising concerns about the health of our oceans coming up right after the forecast with Christy, who is down at Bright Nights at Stanley Park for us tonight, where it's very festive. It is. Despite the fact it's raining, Chris, it's so much fun down here. And all the little kids that are coming in are well dressed up with their jackets and uh, and warmth on. Uh, you know, you can actually book tickets online. If you're worried about the lineups for the train, you can book them online beforehand. And it actually books you a time frame so you don't have to wait in the lineup. So that is good news. And next week, the weather is looking great for coming down here. I know it's looking rainy right now. Let's have a one- look at some of these numbers. If you thought November was dreary, you were right, and you probably weren't the only one. We tied the record, which was set back in 1953, at 27 days of rain out of the 30. Ouch! Uh, 2009, 26, and uh, 1988, also 26 uh, days. So, incredibly dreary this month, that's for sure. But if the amount of actual rain was actually near record. It was just a number of days. Alright, so we've got two waves of rain that are set to push on shore. We have to get through Friday and Saturday, everyone, and we are still talking about that beautiful ridge of high pressure that's set to push in, and it's going to be incredible because it'll hold actually for a good number of days. It doesn't mean complete sunshine. We'll still see some cloud cover, but at least it will be dry. This is your forecast for tomorrow, everyone, so still really unsettled across the coast. You can see a risk of thunderstorms in areas like Prince Rupert. Uh, Interior regions far drier, still a chance of an isolated flurry, but really all the way down into Kelowna, some cloud cover, but 
it dry. Most of the moisture off in the Columbia region and then also along the coast. So very unsettled always, although along the mountainous regions. And that does mean snow for the mountain passes up to Whistler as well. It's great news for the local mountains. There's your long-range forecast that we have to look forward to. Clearing trend on Sunday, dry Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and potentially even into Friday. Lots to look forward to. And a happy birthday to Molly Haynes, 100 today. Congratulations to you. I want to introduce you to one of the firefighters that have put a ton of effort into uh, the Bright Nights at Stanley Park. This is Bill Ho. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for coming down, Christy. So we were talking about the volunteers that to come out. They're from all over the province. These are firefighters. Yeah, firefighters not just from the lower mainland, but from the interior, from the island, as well as uh, a lot of nurses from BC Children's Hospital and uh, adult burn survivors come down to help as well. That's really neat. So you're saying it's, it's a bit of a thing that the, the, they all come together, these burn survivors, and help out. Absolutely, yeah. They play a big role here, and uh, so does the Burn Fund in uh, adult uh, burn survivor and children burn survivor programs, like our uh, young burn survivor camp that we run every year and uh, Futures Now program for adult burn survivors. That's awesome. Now, we were having a look at one of the most amazing trees here, this blue one here. Um, I've put up just, you know, basic lights around a Christmas tree, and I know how difficult it is that it all gets uh, uh, tangled. Tell us about how long that one would have taken. This is probably our biggest tree, and it takes, uh, we're working on this tree for the entire month that we set up for. It's probably 150 feet tall and 80 feet wide, and as long as we have time to work on it and the month is set up, people are working on that tree, stringing lights and stringing lights, and uh, it's one of the most prominent trees we have in the park. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much, Bill, for being with us tonight. Uh, he was saying that they basically do this all the way through the entire setup period and basically have to stop once they open because they could keep going. Thank you so much. It's just a donation to get in, and it is so much fun. A great thing to do with the family over the holidays. It goes right through until January 6th. Sure is. Bright nights uh, tonight or Saturday, and uh, and then the Santa Claus parade on Sunday. Can't wait to have an awesome few That's days. Right celebrating the season. Thanks very much, Bill. Thanks, Christy, as well. Now to that strange discovery by a New Brunswick lobster fisher that's rekindled the debate over ocean pollution. Carissa Lindstrand noticed something blue on the claw of one of the lobsters. When she looked closer, she saw that it was actually part of the Pepsi logo. She says it wasn't paper, but it could be scraped off. She couldn't figure out exactly how it got there, and we probably will never know. After taking the picture, she just put the lobster in a crate and sent it off for delivery. Meantime, her picture is making some international headlines. Now another remarkable discovery, even for experienced ocean researchers. Local humpback whales feeding in a way that's never been seen before. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the theory behind the new behavior has raised even more questions. The largest creatures on Earth prey on some of the smallest. How baleen whales catch their meals is fascinating to watch, like lunge feeding. Um, there will be a, a school of fish near the surface and the whales will accelerate towards that school of, of fish and then sort of open their mouths and, and it creates this big drag and the whales uh, engulf the fish. Christy McMillan with the Marine Education and Research Society in northern Vancouver Island expects to see humpback whales use this method of feeding. But a few years ago, she and her fellow researchers observed a totally different behavior. And this one day in the fall of 2011, we saw this whale sitting at the surface with its mouth uh, wide open and kind of just hanging there at the surface. It floated there quietly for a while and then... And then it, it flicked its pectoral flippers and some fish kind of flew into its mouth and then it, it closed its mouth and sunk down. 
They named it trap feeding, a behavior only observed in one other place by brood as whales near Thailand. It's actually really, really similar to the trap feeding that we're seeing um, being used by humpback whales off northern Vancouver Island. She first observed just two humpbacks trap feeding here. Five years later, 16 had learned the behavior. How does it work? The theory that seabirds looking for a meal frighten the fish, usually herring, towards what they think is shelter in and around the whale's mouth. But why choose this method over lunge feeding? It takes a lot of energy to do this lunge feeding behavior. So as you'd expect, it makes sense to do it when it's a really big, dense school of herring. But what if there aren't enough herring to justify that huge expenditure of energy? Turns out that's when whales switch to trap feeding. Research isn't over yet on this, is it? Absolutely not. No, we've still got a lot to figure out. Um, Yeah, more about how this behavior is spreading among individuals and more about why exactly we're seeing this behavior being used more and more commonly now. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Obviously still so much to learn about the natural world. Your mother told you not to eat with your mouth open. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't apply to whales. Doesn't apply there. Squire, nice to see you. And uh, I guess we have to start preparing for the new era for the BC Lions, or the next era. Yeah, well, this is a transition to the new era. Mm-hmm. Next year will be a transition year. There will be a new general manager. Ed Hervey is a new GM of the BC Lions. A lot of people, uh, hockey fans or not, uh, sending a lot of good karma to Derek Dorsett after the news we heard. Well, uh, Canuck players upset, fans upset, and obviously the man himself. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek Dorsett's great comeback story came to a sudden end. The same surgeon that helped fix his neck and back issues last year has told Dorsett for the sake of his future health, he has to retire from hockey right now. For Dorsett, as we just said, the news was devastating. But he was not about to challenge the doctor's advice. He immediately told the Canucks... He's quitting after 515 NHL games and four seasons as a Vancouver Canuck. The Canucks are in Nashville. That means everybody moves up one space in the Canucks organization without Derek Dorsett, Nikolai Godobin playing tonight for the Canucks. Whoa, first goal of the game. Craig Smith allowed to come in. 1-0 for Nashville. Just 12 seconds later, it's Besser. Even with a guy right in front of him, he pulls back and gets that quick shot out of the way. Look at that top corner with Horvat in front. It's 1-1. Power play for Nashville. Speaking of good shots, Philip Forsberg beats Nilsson, who's in goal again. So 2-1 at that point. Look at the save here. Anders Nilsson. It helps when you're 6-6. Well, you know that. You can just stretch your arm out, and it... It almost covers the entire net. Great save off Craig Smith. And then Louis Erickson again. Oh, slowly morphing into a $6 million man. Louis Erickson with another goal. Daniel Sedin, a point there, so he's at $9.99 for his career. And then former Canuck Nick Bonino, watch him reach around here in this scramble. Gets enough of the puck to knock it in 3 2 after two periods in Nashville. Well, the BC Lions will have a new general manager next year after announcing that former Eskimos boss Ed Hervey will take over the role Wally Buono has had since 2003. But Wally Buono will still be the coach and the main confidant for owner David Braley as the club's vice president. So the flow chart basically goes David Braley, Wally Buono, Ed Hervey, and Wally Buono. But Buono insists that Hervey is the boss when it comes to players and the coaching staff, and he won't dominate the front office. He just wants to coach one more year. Ed had complete say on who 
he wanted as his head coach. And, and I don't want to um, beat that to a, to a pulp. Okay, uh, this is not going to work, guys, if you continually uh, want to cast my shadow. Okay, I'm doing this because I want to coach. Okay, that, that's guys, I want to coach a football team that I still believe in. I want to coach uh, the players that I believe in. I believe uh, that's what I'm here for. Wally is a, is an, is a great head coach. I mean, his, his record speaks for itself. But I don't think I would have made the commitment to come here if he wasn't committed to being the head coach. Okay, my career is going to be 2018. Um, don't ask me what I'm doing after 2018, okay, because I'm not coaching. I'm not going to be involved with the BC Lions. This is my final year. Well, with it looking like Freddie Montero might play next year in China, the Whitecaps went out and signed the man who led the Venezuelan League in scoring this past year to a multi-year deal. Striker Anthony Blondell is just 23. He signed with the Whitecaps through 2020. Vancouver felt they needed to get him signed right now because European teams were starting to notice him too. You know, the hardest thing in this game, I think, is making decisions and you can sit and wait and wait and then miss, miss the boat. Uh, or you can just pull the trigger and, you know, the club have been great. You know, I've identified Anthony and I've said that I wanted to sign him and they've done it very quickly. So I think I, I need to improve him in certain aspects of his game. You know, as I said, he's not the finished article, but he's, he's a great talent. Uh, he can play as, as a single forward. He can play as a, as, a, as a second forward, as a partner. Not a 10, but as two forwards. He can play wide, drifting in. Um, so he'll give us a different type of look, you know, depending on which way we go. And Whitecaps cap- captain Kendall Washington has been named as part of the MLS's best 11 for 2017. Second time in three years he's had that. Uh, he was the Whitecaps player of the year. Third in voting for best defender in MLS this season. Scored a career-high four goals. That was second amongst defenders. And he'll be back with the Whitecaps next year. And also, of course, he'll be in the World Cup with Costa Rica next year as After well. Speaking of back, look who's back. It's Tiger Woods at the Hero Challenge in the Bahamas. Eighth hole. For birdie. Oh, maybe Tiger's back. Ninth hole, Very chipping. Shot here. Oh, maybe Tiger's not back. Chomps it again. <laughs> Ended up making bogey there. 14, 90 yards out. I know. Sometimes it's like that, Tiger. But this led to a birdie. Three under par, 69. Not bad. Tied for eighth in an 18-player field. He's three shots behind the leader, Tommy Fleetwood Mack. There you go. He's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. Well, he is always the conversation. Right, he is the true. conversation. Thanks very much, Squire. Here's a look at the conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb, a base of a little over 140 centimeters. Fresh snow at Grouse, 12 centimeters overnight, a base of 123. 16 new centimeters at Cypress, and Sasquatch opens December 15th. Revelstoke and Manning Park both open December 2nd. Powder King, a base close to 160 centimeters. Big White, a base of 100. Silver Star, 99. Sun Peaks, close to 80. And Apex opens December 2nd. Coming up on ET Canada, what Matt Lauer is saying now after being accused of sexual misconduct. Plus, we are in Hawaii with Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart talking all things Jumanji. And two superstars are teaming up for the perfect duet. We have all that and so much more coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But first, back to you. All right. Thanks very much, Roz. Squire, you would know as well as I do how a hockey rink is the heart of a community. 
In this country, it is. In this country, it sure mm -hmm. is. And there is a heartwarming gift for the community of Fernie, still reeling from that tragedy yes. that closed their ice rink. Work underway now to build a new outdoor rink that will be ready just in time for Christmas. And as Ted Field reports, they are getting some high-profile help to do it. This is not just a construction site. It's going to be a place to bring a community together. Locals in Fernie are preparing a location for an outdoor hockey rink. The town's all about hockey. The town has been hurting since last October. When an ammonia leak killed three people at the indoor rink. It hasn't been open since, and that means a long drive for local teams and players to other communities. A while back, the local Lions Club members were talking about finding a way to build an outdoor rink when they heard of help coming from Calgary. The Calgary Flames have just made an offer, a generous offer of uh, setting up some, providing, uh, supplying and installing some boards here. One of the men killed was from the Calgary area, and the Calgary Flames Foundation has donated the rink kit worth more than $100,000. It's a fully functioning outdoor rink. It's got two player benches, a penalty box, timekeeper's box, uh, gating, and it's got fencing as well. Much of the site work is being done through local donations. This community always steps up when there's a need. And in a small hockey mad town, there are a few more Flames fans. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. <laughs> Thank you. It's Ted Field, Global yeah. News. That's, yeah.